Welcome to the Static Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony T, and this is episode 94. Thank you for being here on this Wednesday, March 15th, 2023. And in this week's episode, I'm going to do, coming up Friday is St. Paddy's Day or St. Patrick's Day. And uh, I was brought up, you know, all I know is Irish people celebrating it and Guinness and everybody wears green and kiss me and I'm Irish and you drink beer and not knowing the true meaning of what St. Patrick stands for. So we'll look into that. First, we need to ask, what is a saint? So from the conversation.com, definition includes the four quote-unquote cardinal virtues, prudence, temperance, fortitude, and justice, as well as the theological virtues, faith, hope, and charity. A saint displays these qualities in a consistent and exceptional way. And to become a saint, you must be canonized after you display those virtues. Uh, The process for being named a saint in the Catholic Church is called canonization. The word canon, meaning an authoritative list. Persons who are named saints are listed in a canon as saints and given a special day called a feast in the Catholic calendar. Before approximately the year 1000, saints were named by the local bishop. For example, St. Peter the Apostle and St. Patrick of Ireland were considered saints long before any formal procedure had been established. But as the papacy increased its power, it claimed the exclusive authority to name a saint. Uh, There are types of saints. While the title saint is used for all those who are canonized, there are different categories of saints such as martyr and uh, confessor. A martyr has been killed for his or her Christian beliefs. A confessor has been tortured or persecuted for his or her faith, but not killed. If a saint had been a bishop, a widow, or a virgin, that become part of their title as well. Then there has to be a whole lengthy investigation because not everybody just made saints, so... There's like a council and everything. And also it says miracles and martyrs. Miracles are an important part of canonization. A miracle is an event that cannot be explained by reason or natural causes. To be named blessed, one miracle has to be proved as having taken place under the influence of the candidate for sainthood. The process begins with a person praying to the saint who intercedes with God, usually to cure an illness. The potential miracle is then investigated by a medical board of nine members who are sworn to secrecy. They can be paid for their work only through bank transfer, a rule to prevent under-the-table payments and that, can, that could corrupt the process. After the occurrence of a second miracle is established, the candidate's title will change from blessed to saint. With St. John Paul II, this happened in record time of nine years, First, there was a French nun who was cured of Parkinson's disease. Then there was the healing of a Costa Rican woman from a brain aneurysm. I like how they add the note on the payment of this nine-person council that investigates the miracle where they have to be paid by bank transfer so it's not corrupted by under-the-table payments. People in the church is like, hey, make me a saint. Here's some money. I want to be a saint. That's pretty funny. But I move on. Now that we got that squared away, let's look into St. Patrick of Ireland and see what he did to get him the honor of sainthood. So this is like a two-minute clip uh, from Drive Through History with Dave Stotts on YouTube about the story of St. Patrick. 
Patrick was born in Roman-controlled Britain in about 390 AD. But it wasn't long before barbarians from across the Irish Sea raided British coastal regions, taking many captives. Patrick was probably 16 years old when his village was attacked. He was taken captive here to the rugged shores of Northern Ireland, and he was sold as a slave shepherd to a local Druid chieftain. He was forced into bitter isolation, tending flocks as a slave shepherd here on Slemish Mountain. As Patrick faced his first months of loneliness, hunger, illness, and despair here on Slemish Mountain, he began seeking God. He later wrote, I would pray constantly during the daylight hours, and the love of God surrounded me more and more. After six tough years in this area of Northern Ireland, totally relying upon God, Patrick wrote that he had a life-changing dream. The message, your hungers are rewarded. You are going home. Look, your ship is ready. So Patrick snubbed his fear of punishment, left his flocks, and walked 200 miles to the Irish coast where indeed he found a ship. Patrick the fugitive traveled back over the Irish Sea to Britain. There he joined a monastery and dedicated the next 20 years of his life to pursuing God and the gospel of Jesus Christ. After becoming a priest, Patrick couldn't deny his heart for the Irish people and his calling to return to them. At this point in history, about 432 AD, Ireland was dominated by full-scale barbarism. Nonetheless, Patrick wrote, I am ready to be murdered, betrayed, enslaved, whatever come my way. He had to return for the Irish people that he loved. Patrick planted his first church in a barn in Northern Ireland. He went on to spend the next 30 years of his life preaching the gospel all around the treacherous island. In the end, Patrick is credited with baptizing 120,000 people and founding 300 churches in Ireland. St. Patrick's Cathedral here in Dublin is a fitting tribute to his incredible legacy. All right, so he seemed like a very devout Catholic, you know, walking 200 miles to get back to Britain. And and actually, he was British. He wasn't even born in Ireland. He was just taken there as a slave. But uh, it, doesn't, it doesn't cover how he died. So irishcentral.com, uh, how did St. Patrick die? St. Patrick died on March 17th in 461 AD. It is generally accepted that St. Patrick died and was buried in downtown, Down Patrick near Belfast. Some scholars believe that Patrick, who had returned to Britain after converting thousands of Irish people to Catholicism, sensed his coming demise and wished to travel back to Ireland before his death. He wished return to Saul, close to present-day Downpatrick, where he reportedly performed one of his first conversions. While he sailed to Ireland, an angel is said to have appeared to him in a vision and told him also to return to Saul. He died shortly after arriving in the northern town. News of St. Patrick's death spread like wildfire throughout 5th century Ireland, and chieftains and priests from all corners of the island flocked to Saul to pay their last respects to their fallen idol. Now, I thought this would be interesting to cover because what two episodes I covered uh, Mardi Gras before Lent and why we celebrate it and if it's actually a, you know, Catholic thing, but it wasn't. So 
why is all the green and why is all the drinking for St. Patrick's Day? This guy seemed like he probably didn't drink. Well, maybe he drank, but he seemed like a very devout Catholic and, you know, was very much into God. So how did it become this, you know, wear green, kiss me, I'm Irish, and uh, let's drink a lot of Guinness? Uh, I have a clip from History Channel about how that came about. According to another famous story, Patrick used the three leaves of the shamrock to explain the Holy Trinity. As a result, people in 18th century Ireland started wearing shamrocks on March 17th to signify their Irish Christian pride. That tradition later grew into wearing green clothing, a popular St. Patrick's Day custom today. Though shamrocks don't really exist, we know them as any one of several three-leaf plants, such as wood sorrel or white and yellow clover. As important as St. Patrick is to Irish history, we bet you didn't know the tradition of celebrating March 17th with parades actually started in America. The parade tradition really took off after the Great Potato Famine hit Ireland in the 1840s, sending hundreds of thousands of Irish immigrants pouring into New York, Boston, and other American cities. The first record of a St. Patrick's Day parade in New York dates to 1762, when a group of Irish soldiers serving with the British marched a few blocks to a tavern in Lower Manhattan. Today, it's the largest and longest St. Patrick's Day parade, boasting close to 200,000 participants and nearly 3 million spectators each year. So this March 17th, we hope you'll be wearing green and toasting to some St. Patrick's Day history that we bet you didn't know. All right, so there you have it. He was not Irish. He was British. He used the shamrock as the description of the Holy Trinity. And also, how? why do people drink? Well, it's due to three couple soldiers that went into a bar to celebrate, and that tradition took off. Uh, pretty, pretty. Uh, I don't know, not too Catholic, but okay. That's. I guess it's a tradition now, so... Uh, again, we have to watch how we celebrate things and if they're the right way we're celebrating. Now, one more thing that gets incorporated into St. Patrick's Day is leprechauns, right? You know, uh, so from Yahoo News, this is why leprechauns are associated with St. Patrick's Day. The legend of the leprechaun is older than the holiday itself. There is actually a surprising connection between the mythical figures and the history of St. Patrick's Day, and the legend dates back farther than the holiday itself. Leprechauns were first written about in the old Irish fables, so it makes sense that they be associated with a holiday dedicated to Irish culture. If you're not familiar with the original legend of the leprechaun, it goes like this. Leprechauns were small, pint-sized men who worked as shoemakers and hid gold coins in pots at the end of rainbows. Legend has it that these tiny creatures were very hard to catch because they were so small, but if you were able to catch one, you'd be granted three wishes by the leprechaun in exchange for setting him free. Because of these old fables, leprechauns have been associated with Irish culture for centuries, likely even farther back than original St. Patrick's Day, but they actually didn't become tied with the holiday until much recently. In 1959, Walt Disney released a film called Darby O'Gill and the Little People, which was about an old Irish man and his experience with magical leprechauns. While the movie was based in Ireland, it had primarily American audience. Because leprechauns were also so heavy, heavily associated with Irish culture, and because this move was released in the mid-1900s, around the same time St. Patrick's Day Parade are celebrated, became increasingly popular in the United States, the mythical creature became a symbol of the holiday. 
and leave it to Walt Disney to inject some sort of mythicalness and non-Catholic stuff into a Catholic holiday. Ireland, uh, Celtic uh, cultures, and they had Druids and stuff, so leprechauns can are definitely not a Christian or Catholic uh, thing and probably shouldn't be using them in St. Patrick's Day celebrations. <laughs> just my opinion. And just like with Mardi Gras, uh, these uh, little things are added into these uh, Christian holidays by, like you would, I would say, some kind of, you know, bad people uh, trying to kind of influence Catholic uh, holidays and traditions and religion because this like it's now it's just becoming kind of obvious nowadays of what's going on in the world and uh i think we need to get back to the you know basics of of what it was like you know we don't go around uh trying to change other religions it just seems like catholics get you know we get the, our holidays are kind of bastardized, um, if I could put it that way. Now, Staten Island had their St. Patrick's Day parade last weekend, and here's just another example of how they are trying to influence uh, St. Patrick's Day and the bastardization of uh, actual Catholic holiday. Here's a clip from WPIX News. Smiles and cheers from the crowd on Forest Avenue, taking in the sights and sounds of Staten Island's annual St. Patrick's Parade. Just a good time to get out and see, you know, everyone being happy, get to spend some time with family, friends. The parade in its 59th year is one of the borough's oldest traditions. It was my first time and I figured, why not? You know, there's lots of music, lots of cars to see. Everyone's in the community came out, so why stay home for it? But there were some in the community who did not feel as welcome. As in recent years, parade organizers once again denied the request by LGBTQ plus groups to march. Let me be very clear. This is discriminatory and vile. The acts of a few small number of individuals continue to give our entire borough a black eye. Ahead of the parade, Mayor Eric Adams joined the Pride Center of Staten Island and other local leaders as they gathered for the so-called Rainbow Run to show solidarity with the community and protest their exclusion. A spokesperson for the administration said it continues to fight alongside the LGBTQ plus community and the office is reviewing how it can encourage greater inclusion in all of the publicly permitted events. Quote, the mayor will not participate in the parade as long as those discriminatory practices continue. PIX11 reached out to the Richmond County St. Patrick's Day Parade Committee, but did not hear back. So there you go. Now we need to let in everybody else, LGBTQ and it's Catholics, you know, it's straight that uh, marriage is between a man and a woman. And that lifestyle in Catholicism is pretty much forbidden and now it's uh saint patrick's day parade and they want to march in the parade now i don't care who marches in the parade uh you want to march march but uh to wave your flags and flaunt your uh how do i say sexual preferences in a religious holiday that's i'm not i don't think that should fly and just because it is a public uh parade 
uh, doesn't mean you're entitled to be in it and march in your banners. Uh, there is a pride parade, and so you have your public parade, and we Saint and Saint Patrick's has its public parade, and that's it. And stop making us think because uh, it's getting a little annoying already. Now, what I would suggest as a remedy for this would be that. Now you'd have to get two parades. You'd have to make an Irish Day parade, which is just a straight-up Irish culture. You can have leprechauns. You can have whatever you want in that, you know? And then you'd have to have a separate uh, parade for St. Patrick's, which would be designated a straight-up religious uh, day or what have you. But uh, this is this is unacceptable what these groups are trying to accomplish here. And I would, I'm going to put some blame on the Catholics here too, because instead of making it about bars on St. Patrick's Day, maybe you should go to a mass on St. Patrick's Day. How many people go to mass on St. Patrick's Day? Probably not a lot. I can tell you there's probably way more people in the bars than in the churches on St. Patrick's Day. And that, and that's the problem. And that's why these groups and, you know, they're watering down your religion from what it is. And, uh, you know, this is... This country was founded on Judeo-Catholic standards, or, you know, basis. Um, so we have to watch out for this. They mention Eric Adams, too, that he went to join the Pride Parade or whatever. Well, uh, that's no surprise to me. The guy's single, wears expensive suits, and talks with a little, little bit of a lisp, if you know what I mean. So that doesn't surprise me that he's in on the pride side then instead of the St. Patty's uh, side. Um, that guy's a big-time loser, and another bad thing that happened to this city and how he got in is, uh, I don't know. But, uh, yeah, that's how they changed the world. That's how they changed countries now. There's no more wars. It's just from the inside. They propagandize these things and use all these words as inclusion, and it's happening in schools it happened in schools a long time ago, and now it's actually happening to the church. And uh, if you fight back, you're a bigot, racist, whatever whatever they come up with. But uh, you have to take a stand. Uh, and that way is by learning things and actually knowing what you're participating in and what, you're, what you stand for and really educating yourself because they will pull the wool over your eyes real quick. Marketing in this country is strong. They will get people to believe anything. So thanks for listening to me rant this week. I'm your host, Anthony T. This is Static Podcast. You can reach me at staticpodcast.net. Like, subscribe, donate. This is a value for value podcast. Uh, you can get yourself a new podcast app at newpodcastapps.com. What that is, is you're allowed to stream little bits of Bitcoin called Satoshis. Uh, there's Boostergrams. Uh, we don't take, I don't take ads here. Uh, freedom of speech. Uh, this is a big thing. One tool that we have left in order to get things uh, back to normal and not lose more of our liberties. So thanks for joining me today. I'm wishing you a happy and safe St. Patrick's Day if you are celebrating. And I will see you next week.